everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you have a podcast. Everything is awesome when you're Julie and Jenna. Welcome to the Art of Murder. I'm Julie. I'm Jenna. This is a podcast where we talk about a little bit of art and a lot of murder. Yay! And then sometimes not art at all. <laughs> That's hundred percent true. Hundred percent true. Yeah. Um, this is a good time for our intro song. Yeah. And we're back. Hello. Welcome. A, it was a good song. Always. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a number one hit music jam one of these days. I promise. It's going to be I shouldn't good. <laughs> yeah. So what's new? What's going on? Um, this is the new official. Well, is it official? I don't know. We're trying this out. The new Art Snace. Nope. Pod Snace. Pod Snace. <laughs> Art Snace is That's, where that originated yep. <laughs> from. <laughs> and you'll learn about more of that maybe next week. Yeah. We'll see. Um, yeah. <laughs> He's eating my sock. We've got a friend in the studio today. Bowie. You got a friend in me. Yeah, and I have cute. alpaca socks, and he keeps, like, gnawing on my foot. Like, gently. Um, we had a... Well, I did. You already had it before. But we, I had a dream come true. You did. I did. You did. And you, you did it for a second time. But I think... We had a dream come true together. That's true. Like, to be able to do it together and see the people, the the lovely ladies that inspired all of this. Yes. I'm I might get a Jenna. little emotional. No, I got <laughs> emotional at the show. We went to the MFM live show in Toronto. Oh, my uh, goodness. It was magical. It was beautiful. It was magical. It was beautiful. When they yeah. came out, I cried. Yeah, yeah, I cried. I get it. I yeah. understand. I totally... They were, they were they were brilliant, they were funny, and then, um, of course, the second night, because they sold out so quickly. I know. The second night, they, they had a show on Sunday, and we did not get tickets for, which we should have. We totally, I feel, I'm kicking myself for it. So we were guessing what murders they would be doing, and this, maybe this, maybe that. Then I mentioned, well, maybe they'd be doing Renee Sweeney, and it's not from Toronto, but no. it's... It was it's newly, it was on Ontario and it was newly solved mm-hmm. like in December. So I thought maybe if they type it up, it'll pop up. Um, and they didn't when we were there and it was fine. It was brilliant. It was an awesome show. And, but then on Sunday night, they did Renee Sweeney. I know. We would have lost our minds. Totally. As you guys know, we've already done Renee Sweeney on here, but. Yeah. And that's what really like, I was so excited when I read that. I was on the uh, MFM Reddit page, and someone was like, oh, it was such a great, like, they did two, they did the Hill Cult yeah. in Quebec, which I, I, we've got to check out, because apparently it's it was made into a special movie, and Ooh, yeah. The, um, the French, they do it right. Yeah, they do. It's pretty Could, fucked up. Yeah, he like, I don't want to tell, no. Okay, I, don't we, tell me. We gotta, we gotta, okay. I think we should cover it, because it's a good one. Okay. Um. All right, I'm just going to end this really quick. Oh, is this a live thing? Yeah, I'm doing a live, but we'll... I'm going to end it for now. Add it to your story? Um, story. Oh, I'm so mad that we missed... Not mad. I'm disappointed that we got we missed it. Yeah, that would have been... I would have yelled out, That's my hometown! Yeah, I know, because I was... You we, shouldn't heckle, but I would heckle yeah, that shit. 
because we we covered it. We did it first, girls. Come on. <laughs> so hashtag MFM listen to Art of Murder for Renee Sweeney. That's correct. That's yeah. That's our campaign. But it was it was so much fun. We met some awesome people in line. We did. Yeah. Like in we, line and after and then after after two. two. Yeah. So all the the ladies and gentlemen who uh, had <laughs> two <singular>. awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, there was only like there was a few guys there, mm-hmm. but not too many. But we only give one card, I think, to one. I d- I believe so. But if that's you, yeah, if you were in the merch line at the end of the show and got one you. of our cards, thank you so much for entertaining us. Yes, I almost puked because I was like, uh, uh, okay, we're gonna do this. We're gonna hustle. Let's hustle some. I'm, I'm like, I'm the one that is not shy. Can go talk to anybody and everything. I'm like, <laughs> no problem. Jenna's like, no, I can't. You know, public, whatever. <laughs> that night we reversed roles i was like you know i was on medication so i was like <laughs> okay let's just do this and jenna's like no okay let's do it and then jenna's all like hey blah, 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 all cool and i'm like yeah i'm just a little sidekick you got there you did i, I got there you, but the was, energy was there it was it was all borrowed energy i well, sucked it from you you did though go into the bathroom and put oh is this legal right now i don't have this on here Someone's calling. It's one eight hundred. Should we find out? Who yeah, it let's is? find out who it is. Hello. Hello, I'm Louis Thomas from oh. ASD Inc. Hi, Louis located Thomas. Located at seven two nine Saint Joseph Suite two hundred one in Gatineau, Quebec. Oh, oh Quebec. Eight Y. Are you four B? Are you part of the Hill? Toll free. Yeah. One eight hundred six seven two. I don't even know what this is for. I don't either. You didn't even say anything. It will only take thirty seconds. It's only going to take thirty seconds, Julie. Well, it just thirty seconds to change your life. It took less than that when I hung up on it. <laughs> Fuck, and we um, just, I just got a phone call from China. Oh, yeah, that's right. You did. I don't even know what that was for either. No, because I don't speak uh, Cantonese. Yeah, that's true. Next time. Well, yeah, we'll go and take some lessons Shit. so we know what they say. Um, but you bravely went to the washroom and threw our business oh, cards right. everywhere. So thank you for doing that. It was a, such a fun night. It was awesome. With your aunt and your cousin, too, like... I couldn't have done, couldn't have gone with a better group of people. That was, it was, yeah. Great. Oh, and the, and the hometown murder that the, the girl who came up and. Yeah. Oh. It's a good thing she went. Well, you were, I was so proud of you for putting your hand up for it. I, yeah, I, but she was far back. They wanted to pick me, but. It's okay. You, you did it anyways. Yeah. No, like there are people there who public speaking is terrifying to them. So just putting your hand up, I think is a big achievement. Thank you. Those were your idols up there. It's true. We should have got VIP. Yep. Damn it. Next time. Hey, uh, MFM ladies, uh, Karen and Georgia, please come back to Toronto so you can meet Julie and I because we're, you know. Baby, come back. Kind of awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool. Glad that's done. Okay. Moving on. You got something else. I do. Uh, So sorry about last week. Couldn't get an episode up. I was at the Artist Project. Um, We were scoping scoping out some new artists. You might have seen the Instagram page with some cool art from some... People. Yes, but I want to give a, a really big shout out to. It's so funny. It, we were just about to finish and go home when I walked into this booth and I saw all this like murdery, scully beautifulness. Yes, and I couldn't. I was like, "This is, this is perfect." And I talked to the girl, and she's like, "Oh yeah, this is. Uh, most of these are saints, and they've been murdered." And my jaw hit the ground, and I could not fucking believe it. I was literally standing in an art of murder artist booth. So I 
would really like to uh, give a shout out and say um, uh, hello to hello. Uh, Knight McLean. I think that's how Knight McLean. You can uh, find her at Knight McLean. That's K E I G H T M A C L E A N on Instagram. Her work. And Bingo was his name. (laughs) (laughs) There was a girl. She made some art. It had lots of murder. Saints and death. Yeah. That's good. But, um, yeah, I, she was such a sweetheart, and I sheepishly went up and said, so this might seem really awkward, but I have a podcast that I, uh speak do a little bit of art do a little bit of murder and you're like the perfect blend of that and she goes oh yeah here let me get take your card and was so warm and inviting so night you're amazing and thank you for entertaining this idea of art and murder murder. yeah and then uh, that's cool yeah i wish i'd have gone i know you would have really liked it there was so many beautiful figurative uh, artists there too that had Oh my God, I could not believe some of them were in charcoal and like oil pastel. Mm -hmm. Some of them were in oil and some of them were in in acrylic or done in different ways, uh, like layered photography of naked women. And it was just really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And oh, there was a food lady there who did high realism food. I did I say it right? No, you said it right. It's just I liked how you scrunched your name. Real, real, and she scrunched realism, (laughs) and then it all came out in fine. Words realism. today. Words. Wow. <laughs> you know, you're fucking down with the realism. You know, you're fucking down with the realism. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> it was a good time. We should go next year together. We should. Yeah, let's we go will. next year. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, Artist Project. So, now you're getting an episode this week. Um. Should be a good one. I'm really excited. Because you've been sitting on this story for a while now. You know what? I just want to... Get it out? Get it out. All right. Okay. Well... Can you shove your face any more into my hand, Bowie? Bowie's just checking on us to make sure that we're ready to story tell. Oh, uh, one last item. Yeah. I got two two more things. Um, so we sort of have our own little Steven now. Uh, oh. Our fan Dan. Our fan Dan. That's what it's just going to be our fan Dan. Um, has, I've, I asked him to help out a little bit with some tiny little to-dos that I've been needing to do. So I just want to say thank you, Dan, so much for rising to the occasion and and giving us a hand on this. Yes, because I wasn't going to do it. No. I mean, you've got enough going on on right now as is. And running your own podcast, it's a lot of work. Like, it's a full-time job. It it is. Mm -hmm. So it's just do that. Nice to... I I wish. Okay. I just... I wish so much. Yeah. But wait, what is happening? I don't know. Like, it's like you're trying to get pet the lazy way by rubbing. He's like, his tail's hitting all of the equipment and the guitar. It's not, this isn't a music podcast, dog. It's an art <laughs> podcast. Bowie, I love you. He's such a schmoop. Um, oh, also, uh, just want to give one last shout out to the ladies over at Fear yes. and Fame. Thank you. Yes. I almost forgot. I don't worry. I wasn't going to let you forget. Thank you. Um, Honestly, don't fear <laughs> the things that you're going to forget. Uh, they are on hiatus for about a week now. Um, they'll be back recording. They're yes. recording this week. So uh, if stay tuned. Don't fear not. They will be back. And please, yeah, go check them out. Fear and Fame Podcast. They're uh, great ladies. Jules and Mallory are awesome. Um, I just listened to... They just recently did an episode about Natural Born... I can't remember who it was. Oh, yeah. Natural Born Killers. 
So Tyler and I after decided to watch, watch it. it. Yes. Oh, I love that movie so much. I like how you do follow through. I try. It's really good. I try. I'm like, I do it and then I go home. There's so much stuff to do. Yeah. And the kids and then the cleaning and then the... <laughs> and I'm like, I'm done. I have a fur kid, so it... it I've got two fur me. kids too. You do. You have two fur kids and They're two human kids. They're both sick and dying. No. So they're on medication. <sighs> but I love them. Schmoops. They're the cutest. Are. It's yeah, true. they really are. But, All right. And that's why I only can sometimes dedicate a beautiful 22-minute episode of Forensic Files, and it does the trick. <laughs> it, it satisfies that tiny bit of true crime you need in your television or movie life. But at one point, I'll have a little bit more time, and I'm going to do more crime. Yeah. Wait, talk about what? Read. Not do crime. Watch. Yeah. Don't do crime. No. Because you'll have to pay and do the time. Unless... You're in Canada. Sometimes you don't have to. Yeah. Which brings me to my story. Yay. Excellent. I have a hard time wondering how to kind of start this. I understand. Because there's one line that I could say now or I could say later. Should you want me to say it now or do you want me to say it later? Is it going to give me a clue or a hint to what? It's going to tell you. Exactly. uh, Pretty much. But you could start the story like this. So then you're in the know. I want to be in the know. Okay. This is the story of Kenneth Parks. The first time the sleepwalking defense was ever successfully used in Canada. Qu'est-ce que c'est? Exactly. A serial killer? That's a song. It is. I got it. Yay. I'm so proud of you. Talking heads. Fish heads, fish heads, roly-poly fish heads, fish heads, fish heads. Eat them up. Yum. Where is that from? That's a song too. It was Shit. weird. I don't know anything. Where I remember as a child, I went to my yes. friend's house. There was a video and there was fish heads. Yes. And I was like, what the f- is this? Except I was French and I didn't swear because I was a good girl. Right. So I'm like, je comprends pas, c'est quoi? You know? Yep. Anyway. Okay. So this is, uh, okay. First of all, this information, uh, I got a lot of it from Barrett Brogard. Doctor, science, PhD, a professor of philosophy, and the director of Brogard Lab in multisensory research at the University of Miami. That's a mouthful. Good for you. There's going to be a lot of mouthfuls today, and the reason I decided to keep it in is because sometimes I don't know how to express myself correctly, so I will might read a few mouthfuls and then maybe talk my own. But if it ever sounds smart, please know that that is not me. That is completely this doctor. Okay? So, um, I mean, you got information from w- Wikipedia and all that jazz too, but most of this stuff, because it goes into the psyche kind of Ooh. thing of it, this is all this doctor, okay. not moi. Okay, so a little history, Kenneth James Parks. Kenneth's parents separated when he was five his mother remarried he had no contact with his dad until he was 18 he never had a close relationship with his mother he was a troubled kid he didn't do well in school and when he was in junior high he was arrested once for petty theft at 16 his parents moved away and he moved in with his grandmother all right now um let's go to kenneth barks at 23 years old okay so we're just gonna we're gonna move ahead yeah we're gonna we got a little lifestyle now let's Let's just fuck Keep off. Going. Fuck on. Fuck off. Fuck, fuck on. on. We're just going to fuck, fuck on. on now. Just fuck, fuck on, on now. Fuck on. Um, so he's a 23-year-old man from Toronto. Ooh. Mm-hmm. A wife and an infant daughter. Uh, he was suffering severe insomnia and anxiety, which, yes, we all know. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about what's going on. So the previous summer, so this was in 
so the previous summer is uh, 86, 1986. Um, Kenneth w- had re- repeatedly placed bets on horse races, maybe at the Woodbine, um, which had caused him severe financial problems. He needed more dough for gambling and to try to get out of debt. So what did he do? He stole $32,000 from his employer, Revere Electric. Oh, boy. It's like an electrical company. I think they sell shit and they do electrical shit. I'm not it's electric. Sure. It's electric. I got chills. They're multiplying. And I lose in control. Cause the power you're providing. Supplying. Supplying. It's electrifying. (laughs) Okay. So Kenneth wasn't a good gambler. Who is? And kept losing money. And when the company found out about the theft, this was in March 1987. So, you know. The summer before. He was fired, as one would be. What? Court proceedings were brought against him. He got charged, and his personal life suffered as w- as it would. So after starting to gamble heavily, Kenneth apparently stopped so- socializing, which I, that's typical, and started suffering from pressure headaches, and his weight increased from 240 pounds to 310 pounds. Ooh. His, yeah, his regular pattern of sleep was go to bed at like 11, but watch TV till 2, fall asleep for about four to six hours. Um, during this, uh, yeah, about that. There was reports that said that when his daughter was born in December of 1986, so he was Remember, fired March 87. He started sleeping better, which to me doesn't make any sense. Not at all. I'm like, fuck you! Anyway, so apparently maybe maybe he was, got happy for a bit. I don't know. But then when he got fired, of course, it all came back and whatever. So during this time, uh, when he would wake up, he'd be breathing like heavily and he'd feel like a pressure on his chest. He saw a doctor and they gave him asthma treatments, but mm. the symptoms were more likely... Uh, symptoms of severe anxiety disorder. Uh, there was clearly underlying emotional problems that he would have sought treat should have sought treatment for. Again, quote from the article, not from me. Okay, not a doctor. I think you could have come to that conclusion. I too. think so too. Yeah. Actually, you're um, smart. You are smart. Thank you. <laughs> and Karen, his wife, um, she, she. I'm assuming she was. I don't know her exact date of birth. I didn't look it up. I'm assuming she's about 23, if not maybe a little younger. So she was the oldest. She had two teenage sisters, I believe. And they still lived at home uh, with their parents, obviously. And their home was in Scarborough. Oh. Okay. All right. Now, let me take you to the early morning of May 1987. Are you there? I am. Oh, because guess what? Guess who was born that month? I will always mention The same this. year? 1987. Oh. May 1987. Fuck. Fuck a duck. Fuck a duck. In early mornings of Jenna's month and birth year, (laughs) Kenneth got out of bed and drove 23 kilometers. 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 From Pickering, Ontario, to to the house of his wife's parents, Barbara Ann and Dennis Wood, in Scarborough. Once he got there, he got a tire, tire iron out of the trunk of the car. He used his spare key to the house to let himself in. He went into his in-law's bedroom and started choking Dennis, his father-in-law, until he fell unconscious. He then proceeded to beat Barbara Ann, his mother-in-law, with the tire iron and then stabbed her repeatedly with a knife he got from the kitchen. Then he went back to the father-in-law and stabbed him too. No! Barbara was later found in a room five to six feet away from the bedroom. This is good for later on. Uh, She had been stabbed in the chest, the shoulder, and the heart. 
she had sustained blood for, blunt force trauma um, injuries to her nose, eyes, and skull and caused a subarachnoid hemorrhage. Nice. I looked up how to say that. Though Dennis was unconscious, Dennis' wounds were less severe, even though he was stabbed. Kenneth also picked up the phone in the kitchen and then set it down off the hook. He ran upstairs to the teenage daughter's room, bedroom, um, and he stopped outside the door and just stood there grunting, then ran down again and left. Kenneth. Weird. Yes. Kenneth then drove to the police station. He arrived at the police station at 4.45 a.m., covered in blood, and said, I just killed someone with my bare hands. Oh, my God, I just killed someone. I've killed two people. My God, I've killed two people with my hands. My God, I've killed two people. My hands, I just killed two people. I killed them. I just killed two people. I've killed my mother and father-in-law. I stabbed them and beat them to death. It's all my fault. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. The police that was my phone the only reason it's on is for something they have to use later <laughs> um the police said that he seemed just dis- distressed and was shaking he did not appear to be in pain despite having cut tendons on both hands so he's like um this is an example of dissociative analgesia hang on analgesia yeah analgesia analgesia Analgesia. Analgesia. That's what it is. To me, I would have said that differently. Looked it up. That's how it is. So, fuck you. That's what I was... <laughs> that's what it's called now. <laughs> Dissociative analgesia. Uh, a profound blunting of pain sensation in the abscess of painkillers. So, oh, okay. sometimes you, you know, uh, this dissociative analgesia can occur during states of sleepwalking, but it also can happen during drug use or a state of shock or great distress or, you know, like adrenaline, right? Oh, Okay. Again, article, not me. That's the definition. 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 <laughs> so apparently, after careful examination of the case, the experts couldn't find any other explanation for this act and crime other than sleepwalking. Uh, Kenneth underwent a series of sleep tests and psychological tests. Let me put that over there. Uh, and he, he got an EEG scan that showed Kenneth had some abnormal brain activities during like deep sleep. So periods of partial awakening, which is indicative of parasomnia. Oh, it's like paranoid schizophrenia while you sleep, in a sense, maybe? I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and say yes. Okay. I don't know. Right. Um, parasomnia, yeah, that sounds about right, because that's how they use this word. To me, it's, yeah. Uh, since there allegedly there is no way to fake your own EEG results, Kenneth had appeared to feel no pain when he arrived at the police station and was determined that he was sleepwalking when he attacked his in-laws. Um, the experts described Kenneth's action as a result of many circumstances converging, okay? So he had planned to fix his in-law's furnace. Apparently it was broken, so they had asked him. Asked him. Uh, he was familiar with the route he would take to get to their house, and he was restless from anxiety and worried about the upcoming trial regarding him stealing money because he's, uh, you know... Oh, right, that's still going on. Yeah, so he... Yeah. Okay, I forgot about that. So the experts thought that it suddenly occurred to Kenneth in his sleep that he should fix his in-laws' furnace. And then when he got up and drove to the house, he was startled by the in-laws, because you know you can do that during states. Uh, he attacked both of them without knowing what he was doing. So I think this story is interesting for more than one reason. Because um, my girls, 
yeah sleepwalk i was just thinking and they have that. night terrors and stuff like that and it's creeps me out where i'm like oh great they're gonna kill me one day <laughs> this sucks um and i read up about that so some of this stuff was like it made sense yeah but usually a lot of times which i do say later on kids will if they do that grow out of it okay some people don't but kids that will do that normally grow out of it hopefully yours grow and out that, of it yeah and that's due to immature um, nerves when you're going from REM sleep to deep sleep. It doesn't switch. Anyway. Oh. Okay, so there's a little bit of legal jargon that I'm going about to talk right now. I'm about to talk? Yeah. You okay. Talk at me. Talking at you right now with my finger. Sleepwalking doesn't automatically lead to full acquittal. An involuntary, involuntary act entitles an accused to an unqualified acquittal only if automatic conditions did not originate in the quote a disease of the mind that has made a person insane in the latter case the accused is not entitled to a full acquittal but only to a verdict of insanity disease of the mind is not a medical term but a legal term because it is a legal term a trial judge cannot rely blindly on medical opinion but must also consider the likelihood of reoccurrence oh yes and the cause of the act so a condition likely to present reoccurring danger should be treated as insanity oh, so if it's going to, yeah yeah but a condition stemming from an internal makeup of the accused rather than the external factor should also lead to a verdict of insanity because it's still not like you're not in control right so these two conditions might seem sufficient to justify less than full acquittal of sleepwalking sleepwalkers who kill but the defense at kenneth's trial argued that a combination of external factors caused the killing so all the stress in his life all this shit well the trial the money yeah and the yeah um that was unlikely that this similar circumstance and all these external factors would occur again oh, in the future. Right. So that was their defense. Like, it was just like a perfect recipe. Yeah. Right? So in the medical review, it was also concluded that the legal defense was, therefore, one of homicide during non-insane automatism as part of a pre-assumed episode of... Wait. Wait Hold, for it. Pause for it. Pause for Somnambulism. That's right. Did you hear that? That was... Somnambulism. Excellent. Somnambulism. Well okay. done. Thank you. Thank you, Google. Uh, the defendant did not have any pre-existing disease of the mind within the meaning of the criminal code. So, so yeah. So, he wasn't insane, but... In the membrane. Insane in the brain! There was no evidence for psychosis or other mental pathology. Moreover... That's a word that I do not say, so that's not mine. It was believed that the clustering of such a number of triggering factors was extremely unlikely, again, like I said, to occur again. So that the possibility of a reoccurrence of sleepwalking with aggression was considered extremely remote. According to Kenneth, accordingly, Kenneth was acquitted of the murder of his mother-in-law and the assault of his father-in-law, and he was free to go. What? This is a case that often gets used... Um, like, the reason I found this case, I was watching Forensic Files, mm -hmm. and somebody in the States killed his wife, and he claimed that he did it during sleep, while he was sleeping. Yeah. And they refer to Kenneth Parks, um, like, trial. Yeah. So, a lot of trials refer to this one because he got off scot-free. Um, so, I was like, wait, what? Because it said in Toronto. I was like, bing, 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 bing. That's us. us. What? 
So interesting. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit more. So that's the story. Tell me more. Tell me more. Like, did he kill his mother-in-law? Um, so that's the story. He's free to go. He's a free man. He's gone. That's it. He's out. I'll tell you where he lives. Uh, mm. Now, they say on the surface, the case appears straightforward. However, several details of the case were ignored during the trial. Surprising. Kenneth was known for having an uncontro- uh, having uncontrollable urges, like the whole gambling thing, mm-hmm. which led to his downfall um, in his house, his job, and the root of more anxiety. Also, he had had a great relationship with his in-laws because when he met his wife, she was actually a runaway teenager, and he's the one who convinced her to go back home. So they were really grateful for him. So they, they got along really good. But once he lost his job... Uh, Kenneth stopped visiting his in-laws. So he was ashamed and feared that what they would think of him, obviously. Um, he couldn't find a job. He did a few side jobs as an electrician, but he continued gambling, like you know. And of course, um, he was out on bail during the time of the attack as well. His wife, Karen, wanted him to get help for his gambling addiction and threatened to leave him if he didn't stop gambling. He fought often, like they fought often over this, you know, obviously issues. He's spending all their money. They just have a new baby. Mm-hmm. And finally, under pressure from his wife, he uh, agreed to join Gamblers Anonymous. So on the day of the killing, Kenneth was supposed to go to a barbecue in, at his in-law's house and tell them about his gambling, his debt, and his job loss. So she's like, you know, that's, you got to admit all that stuff. Um, now, could these factors have motivated Kenneth to drive 23 kilometers to kill his in-laws in a fit of temporary insanity? Or shame. Yeah. Um, his impulsivity... Impulsivity. Nice. Thank you. I just got to slow down. Does suggest a tendency towards psychosis. So all this does make sense. Again, a lot of these opinions are not mine. They're ones that I'm reading, but it's interesting to see different opinions. The evidence collected prior to the trial suggested that Kenneth was indeed a sleepwalker. His wife, Karen, had no recollection of him sleepwalking, but only of him talking to her in his sleep and also of him being a deep sleeper and being difficult to wake up. Oh, okay. okay. So, he didn't walk, but you know. So, the EEG readings during his sleep tests were irregular, suggesting parasomnia. But irregular readings can also occur during sleep when people go under great stress or during substance abuse. So, this is common. So, you know, Mm -hmm. let's start thinking. Kenneth's mother reported when she was, uh, when he was about 13 or 14 years old, she heard stuff. So she went up to his room and she saw him with his legs sticking out of their sixth floor window. So like he was sleeping. So she, she did say like, cause he does have this sleepwalking yeah. stuff. She goes, but this was the only case she ever could recall of him getting up and doing anything. So however, however, Kenneth's grandfather was a sleepwalker. He would walk around the house and sometimes cook food without really? eating it. Oh, I yeah. would have, I would like that. Yeah. You wake up in the morning, grandpa's be, just made you pancakes. Or like turkey something. Yeah. yeah. Like a full turkey. Yeah. And stuffing. And, and cranberries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the defense attorney alleged that Kenneth didn't remember the details details of the killing but he said he remembered his mother-in-law's face after he killed her he apparently also realized that he had killed her when he arrived to the police station was kenneth really fully asleep the whole time or could have he have been conscious the whole time and repressed the horrific memories Hmm. almost immediately 
Good question. Because how many times people say I blacked out, I had no idea. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I was, yeah, that was going to be a comment that I had later on Mm -hmm. was you talking about associating this case with other cases of the insomnia and sleepwalking thing. But what about those people that go, I don't remember anything that just happened and they're covered in blood. Mm -hmm. Because they get in a fit of rage. Yeah. Interesting. Well, this is a... While slow delta brain waves occurring during sleepwalking, it has also been found that there is a significant amount of high oscillating waves, oscillation waves, just like in people who are fully awake. This is, just means your brain does stuff when you're awake, mm-hmm. and in some of these sleepwalking, it does that. So your brain almost triggers itself to feel like it's awake? Is that kind of like... I'll tell you. Oh, I'm... Sleepwalkers have their eyes open. They can see their environment, but are not consciously aware of it. While sleepwalkers are in a state of deep sleep, the part of the brain in charge of motion is awake. Only the part of the brain that correlates with awareness and cognition remains asleep. So they're not really aware of what's... Yeah. Sleepwalkers are essentially awake and asleep at the same time. As the cortex, which is the part of the brain that controls thinking and voluntary movement, is asleep during the slow sleep wave, the movements sleepwalkers make are controlled by other parts of the brain and are more or less reflective, uh, like reflex. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a... Oh, this is... Okay. Never mind. It's right here. I was going to say I have something later on, but it's right here. The sleepwalker's brain processes visual and auditory stimuli from his surroundings, but the processing of these sensories and stimuli does not give rise to stable neuron activity. Whatever that means exactly. Interesting. Uh, so because of this, brain signals are not as strong as during waking states. Uh, this is why people normally can complete tasks they've done a hundred times before. So like the cooking, you know, of that grandfather. Yeah. To na- navigate safely in their sleep, sleepwalkers must be in their natural surroundings. So th- they know. So it's like if you're in your house, you know where everything is. Mm-hmm. Um, when sleepwalkers go on vacation, mind you, Uh-oh. they often get hurt um, because the brain assumes they're in their familiar surroundings. Right. They assume they're at home. So they, it, your brain almost has like this when you're in a state of sleepwalking echolocation in a weird way of uh, your brain goes i'm in the same space so i'm going to navigate you with the walls where they are because i know where the floor is do you ever wake up somewhere and think you're you thought you were somewhere else and then you realize you're somewhere and it takes you like a second to be like wait where am i oh i can't i do that yeah yeah i do that especially traveling or if i'm away um like, I'm assuming I'm at home, and then it takes, like, a second, like, shit, where am I? And then, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I used to do that often. Or, like, sleepovers or things like that. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's just because you're assuming you wake up, you're assuming you're at home, right? Um, but, yeah, so when people stay in uh, new places, sleepwalkers bump into walls, stub their toes. Yeah. In April 2007, 17-year-old Canadian tennis player Peter Polanski broke a window and crawled out through the broken shards and fell down oh. while sleepwalking in his Mexico City hotel room. So that's just so like, if you know, like you're trying to, you're half like there, half not like, oh, well, shit, there should be a door here. I don't yeah. understand. And then, yeah. Did he die? Do you know if he died? I don't know if he died. Okay. I know it didn't say, but that's okay. true. What's his name again? It doesn't sound good. Uh, Peter Polanski, P-O-L-A-N-S-K. K-Y. Okay. Uh, so with this thinking, 
there is some doubt over claims that Kenneth was fully asleep while he carried out this highly complicated action. It was in relatively unfamiliar surroundings because it wasn't his house. Mm -hmm. Kenneth hadn't been to his in-law's house since he lost his job two months before uh, the killing. He would have had to make the drive unconsciously unconsciously, in relatively unfamiliar surroundings in the dark at night. And uh, during his drive, he encountered several major intersections. I do it all the time. I I take that drive all the time. Um, That he would have to maneuver again unconsciously. This seems like an impossible task, is what the professionals think. Drivers completely lost in thought are not fully or not fully unconscious, so not people sleepwalking, just, you know, sometimes you get thinking. Um, they have uh, at least some minimal awareness, yet they may miss their exit or find themselves having taken the most familiar route rather than the one they planned. So suddenly they find themselves at their old house or their child's school or their workplace rather than the place they meant to go, which I've done multiple times. You get lost in thought. You're aware of what's yep. happening, but you're on, like, autopilot. You Yes. So for him to be sleepwalking and being so aware to drive there, he hasn't been there in two months. It's very mm-hmm. unlikely. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm. Kenneth Parks don't get mad at me, but, you know, this is just opinions of the paper. Uh, sleep, sleepwalkers don't normally take long trips during their sleep. Kenneth's grandfather, who was a sleepwalker, never left the house when he was sleepwalking. He just went downstairs to cook. Just cook, man. A little turkey. <laughs> Though, I thought you just called his grandpa a little turkey. No, he's just cooking a little turkey. It's okay if he's a little turkey. Turkey's good. Whatever. Imagine his grandma wakes up and goes, I never bought a turkey. <laughs> it was just like, Where's the cat? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you kitty. Um... Though, yeah, so there were several people in Kenneth's family that had parasomnia. Parasomnia. Uh, few were sleepwalkers, and only one, a second cousin, ever left the house during her sleepwalking. Mm. She made it outside, and then she just sat there. She didn't go anywhere. She just sat there. So no one ever took long trips. Nobody ever carried out highly complex actions that appear to require conscious control. Um, little side story here. A district attorney, Chris Frisco, said in the Stephen Ritz case in which Stephen Ritz stabbed his wife while allegedly being asleep to carry out relatively complex acts such as figuring out which end of the knife to hold. Oh, yeah, to stab a person with. You have to be somewhat conscious to control that and what you're doing. Yep. So he also carried. He also carried a tire iron with him, too. He so to consciously be, went to the trunk and got, got it. it. Yeah. And then used the spare key, not his own house key, yep. to unlock the door. How many times do you change a tire in a year? Maybe once. Maybe not. Like, for him to be so aware and cognitive, cognizant of where his tire iron is in his car. And even for him to get startled and then go to the kitchen, get a knife, and then come. Yeah. 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 So as per this article's doctor, they say it is highly doubtful that Kenneth could have stayed asleep during the whole ordeal. It's a myth that you cannot awaken a sleepwalker. It may be unwise to awaken a sleepwalker because they end up being confused or terrified, uh, which I know from Mm -hmm. the kids. But it's no harder to um, wake a sleepwalker up than 
a person who's sleeping in a state of deep sleep. Hmm. So when Kenneth arrived at the police station, severe cuts on his hands, um, um, it attested to a struggle with his in-laws. The police later described the scene as a great struggle in the bedroom. The bed was disheveled. The pillows were soaked in blood. The mattress had moved around so much that the headboard had tipped forward. And his mother-in-law was found in a room five to six feet away. So obviously she was, (gasps) remember? That's right. Um, It was just... Plainly, they say, implausible that the severe struggle with the in-laws, them screaming at him, asking what he's doing, pleading for him, failed to wake him up. Right. Yes. It is true that the brain may unconsciously go into defense mode if startled. That I do know. But but Kenneth fetched a tire iron, like we just talked about, from his car trunk. And used the key to let himself in the house. There it is. He choked his father-in-law, beat up his mother-in-law with a tire iron, stabbed both of them repeatedly. Barbara, like I said, sustained six stab wounds, chest, shoulder, blade, and the fatal one through her heart. These gruesome acts are not simply the result of brain un- of the brain being unconscious um, and going into defense mode after being startled. They're saying that that is not... It doesn't make sense. No. The struggle by itself would have been enough to wake him up. Especially, like, would wait. Actually, they said, uh, would wake up somebody in a deep sleep in the next room. Hence why the daughters right. were also awake. At the time of the attack, Kenneth and his wife, Karen, were having uh, frequent arguments about the gambling. Mm-hmm. And Kenneth was asked to sleep on the couch. But that night, after watching television together on the couch, Karen had invited him to sleep with her in the bedroom when um, she went to bed after midnight. Kenneth, who had been sleeping on the couch, refused, saying he preferred to wait until he had gotten the help from the gambling prob- for his gambling problems. And besides, he said he wasn't sleepy. Oh. At the trial, um, Kenneth reported the night's events as follows. This is him. He fell asleep on the couch sometime after midnight and his next recollection was seeing his mother-in-law's face she had her eyes and mouth open kenneth described it as a very sad looking face the fact that kenneth actually remembers his mother-in-law's face is an important detail overlooked by the prosecution it suggests that his uh subsequent dissociative analgesia there you go (laughs) <laughs> by the prosecution. It suggests that the... Oh, I just said that. Uh, at the police station, so that state he was in, uh, which was a core piece of evidence in the trial, but was most likely due... Uh, not due to Bering's sleepwalking state. The dissociative... was more likely the result of being in a state of shock or distress. Kenneth said that after seeing his mother-in-law's face, he just sat there. And then he heard the kids yelling and recalled thinking, the kids, the kids were in trouble. They needed his help. He yelled, kids, 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 and went upstairs. The kids didn't hear him yell. They only heard grunting noises. Sometimes something like what a person would sleeping sound like is what they say. It's like, like, yeah. And the... Like yeah. what Bowie does when he sleeps. Exactly, like Bowie. Um, so this was very odd. If Kenneth had really been sleepwalking at the time at which the kids were yelling, he would not have been able to recall the moment so clearly afterwards. Good point. If, on the other hand, he was awake at the time, then he wouldn't have made the grunting noises he would have yelled as he said he did. Yeah. So this is confusing. The evidence suggests... We're almost done here. Okay, guys, don't worry. The evidence suggests that Kenneth's actions were not entirely automatic. He must have been at least partially conscious by owing to the gruesome nature of his actions. He might have uh, repressed his memories of the details. Uh, 
This is another little side story here. Paula Pinkard, who shot her 11-year-old daughter, Aubrey. Uh, it could be Audrey, but I wrote Aubrey, so I'm not sure. Forgive me. I like uh, both of them. It is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, to death, sorry, before shooting herself in Rock in her Rock Hill home in March of 2000, during a Prozac-induced psychosis, had to undergo hypnosis to remember any anything that happened that night. Oh. So like Candace, she was not showing any pain symptoms from the wounds that she got. She, from, she, 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 her, she shot her. She oh, shot she herself. Shot herself. Okay. The paramedic when the paramedic showed up, she didn't sh- show any pain. So she was charged with first degree murder and the death penalty. But the judge found her not guilty by reason of insanity mm-hmm. and committed her to the custody of the State Department of Health and Hospital, uh, the forensic division. So people who are insane cannot intend to perform a criminal act because they either don't know that the act is wrong or they can't fully control their action. Mm-hmm. It is plausible that owing the temporary insanity Kenneth was not fully in control of his actions even if he was conscious of them his actions then were voluntary but unintentional right yeah like I I, I don't know him obviously I don't know him so like was it really intentional that he went and killed them like completely I mean I kind of believe that you're kind of in and out and whatever yeah but I, it's funny I'm having this um brain idea brain idea yeah brain idea is it your oscillating waves my oscillating waves (laughs) are telling me that maybe this could have been paranoid schizophrenia in a sense of maybe it's not maybe it's not um sleepwalking but almost paranoid schizophrenia um delusions like delusions not delusions of grandeur um trying to hallucinations yeah like paranoid hallucinations Oh, my fucking God. It's my next word. Look at this. <laughs> uh, well, not quite like what you said, but I like that. Yeah. I like that theory. Okay. Because it's just, there's just something there. You don't just kill people. You can't just no. be normal and kill people. Um, but he never, he was never put to jail and he never was arrested for anything else. Anything. Ever. Did he ha- was he at all um, criminally no. s- like sent to a psychiatrist or was he forced to go to rehab or anything like that at all to like no i mean i think i'm sure he did the gambling thing i don't know how he is today with his gambling i didn't call him up but maybe we could try try. let's check the yellow pages okay um this next session is called hallucination during sleepwalking there's another possibility entirely that consists of the event of kenneth park's case a common assumption about sleepwalkers is that they are deeply asleep and therefore act as Oh, this is the word I want. Autom- automatons? Is that the word? Automaton? Automatons? This one. Let me see. Auto. Automatons. Oh, is that what it is? I think so. Fucking automaton. Such a loser. Automaton. That, first of all, that word is way cooler than what I was trying to say. <laughs> it's like, Autobots, move out. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Um, they are, however... Lots of verbal reports from sleepwalkers suggesting that hallucination or dreamlike states of mind often take place during sleepwalking. Here's two little, quick little samples. I'm I'm almost done. I know I said that, but I did. Allison Bear, a 31-year-old woman from Idaho, was having a nightmare that she was in a deep river and was getting tired, and in her dream, she realized that she was drowning. Suddenly, she woke up and realized she was actually drowning. (gasps) She had been sleepwalking and ended up in the river just outside her home. Whoa. She says, I thought I was dreaming, but then I realized I wasn't, and I was scared. 
um, she told abcnews.com. She was eventually able to make her way back to the riverbank and stay put until she was found the next morning. Fucking Interesting. creepy. That is. Yeah. Well, and you get these, yeah. I, it's very, it's very creepy because I just had a nightmare two nights ago and I woke up and I was completely aware that it was a dream yeah. and I was so happy I was out, but my body was still so frozen from being so scared. I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't move, move. myself. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, and that, that feeling was so creepy. I remember, I think it was not this past summer, but the summer before, two summers ago, um, Tyler's dad was telling me he has this thing. What happens is he'll wake up in the middle of the night and be completely paralyzed and see a shadow of a person at oh, the no. end of his bed. Oh, no. And he can't do anything. No. He can't talk. He can't move. He can't even, he can't call over to my mother-in-law and be like, hey, Mary, I don't know. Well, here's the weird thing. It happened to me that same <gasps> year, like later on. With a shadow? Not the shadow oh, thing, but... You felt you feel like something's watching you. So I was on the couch. I fell asleep. I wake up and I can't move. I don't know where Tyler was. I couldn't move. I couldn't talk. I just was. I was completely paralyzed, but totally well aware that I was out of my sleep. And you, I felt like there was something there, something watching me, and I couldn't call to Tyler. And he ran over. And he's like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, mm-hmm. "Like I can't do it. You can't." You can't do anything. Do you remember your dream? No, you don't. Either. Nothing. All I, I know was... is that I was p- paralyzed. Like you, I could move my eyes. I couldn't open my mouth to say anything. Like no words would come out, and it was maybe about fifteen minutes, and then finally, <gasps> that's too long. Yeah, like oh, Tyler no. was freaking out. He had no idea what it was, and we put two and two together because Richard had just talked to me about this. Uh, like sleep paralysis. I think it's called sleep paralysis thing that happened to him. And I was like, oh, maybe that's what I had. But that's like one other instance of like more sleep things that can take place to really fuck with your head. But it's what there, like he had a hallucination of a person. I and didn't though. Like <clears throat> I felt something. Okay. That's creepy. I want to believe. I don't want to talk. Oh yeah. You're right. It would be better if it was. Mm. I think if that would have happened, like if you were sleeping at my house and that would have happened, I would have called 911. Yeah. 15 minutes is too long. Yeah. It was, it was really like, I could feel, I could feel all my insides start to scrunch up. Like when I start getting anxiety, it feels like an elephant is on my chest. It felt like 17 elephants. Like Kenneth Parks. Yeah. If you get up and you drive to my house and kill me, I'm going to be so fucking pissed. I've only ever been to your house once, so I don't remember. I know. So that's going to be your sleep defense and it's not going to work. So I better come over more and hang out. I'm going to sneeze. Sneeze. Ooh, try to keep it in. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, Moving this on. case, this case is for us. Okay. Another case which, in which a sleepwalker thought he was dreaming was of 36-year-old Welsh-Australian artist mm. Lee Hadwin. He would get up at night in his sleep and produce surrealistic and fantastical artworks. Usually, he would not have any recollection of having completed these works overnight, but would find them there the next day. He has had several requests from galleries and museums and now goes by the name of Capasso. Capasso. Apparently, Lee Hadwin had no interest in painting or the ability to do it during the day. Really? He didn't give a fuck about art. Didn't give a fuck. And I guess he... he, um, uh, dreams about uh, though he has any 
barely had any recollection of what he was doing during the night art sessions. He reported that sometimes he would have these vivid dreams of painting while mm. he was asleep. Um, he has been sleepwalking since he was a child, and most children, like I said, cease at a certain age, but he never did it. And now it uh, will be completely his way of living and making money, and he would have to quit. He'll quit his day job. Like, he's making so much money with his artwork, which I have some pieces that we'll put on yeah. Instagram. Ooh, that's so... I mean, that's that's cool, in my opinion. That's a really cool... It is cool, but... Uh-oh. My last little paragraph here. Contrary to the defense's story, in the Parks case, Kenneth Parks may also have had several hallucinations during his sleepwalking. He said the kids yelled... Uh, he yelled, kids, 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 after hearing the kids yelling, but only they only heard him grunting. He also saw his mother-in-law's face as sad, which may have been a hallucination. Mm-hmm. Um, it is... Uh, is this possible that Park's verbal reports reflect hallucinations rather than an attempt to mislead the jury? Interesting. Yeah, so we still got this. So in, if indeed sleepwalkers don't act as complete... Autobots move out. What's oh, that uh, 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 oh my God. Automatons? Automatons? I know, I fucking forget. Automatons. No. Automaton? No. Is it Automaton. Whatever. What did I say? Let me see. What's the word again? Automaton. Automaton. And Jenna helps out again. Automatons during sleepwalking. This raises the question of what extent then uh, they can actually be held responsible for their Mm. actions. Okay? Even if they really are truly asleep and truly sleepwalking while committing their crimes or masterpiece. This is the question. <laughs> if he gets acquitted from his crime, how can someone else sell their artwork? Ah. Fucking fraud. Wow. Uh-huh. That's something to really think about. I Hold know. On. When I was, I'm like, you can't you can't be pro one and against the other. Like in this I mean, yes you can, of course well, you can. But I mean, like in the story In this in this case, how come he gets to go free and ignores everything that he did mm-hmm. because he was sleeping, but this guy's making fucking money off of things he's doing in his sleep? Yeah. Which I mean good for you because I think that's cool. That's my story. Anyway, just to let you know, Karen and him did get a divorce. She did stick by him for uh the year of the trial and yeah. stuff like that. But in the end you can't. I, I mean, that's hard. Yeah. You can't get over really somebody killing your mom and almost killing your dad. Uh-huh. He moved to Oshawa and he had five more kids. In 2009, he caused a little stir trying to get on the school board trustee. <laughs> he was never elected. Uh, of course, his past was dug up as a matter of public record. And that is the first time in Canada, Canadian history, that a sleepwalking defense was successfully used. Wow. That's yeah. mind-blowing. Yeah, there was a lot of jargon, but I felt like I needed to keep that yeah. in because I'm like, so I read this one article, one article that I pretty much got everything was like just psychology based. Yeah. So it was like, and there was a lot that I didn't put in. It was fascinating. It is because it, it really plays onto the whole, I mean, what, you know, the BSE or the behavioral science unit is all about this stuff. Yeah. This is the art of murder. This is the art yeah. part of murdering and understanding the psychosis of serial killers and killers alike. I think it's fascinating. It's that was brilliant. It's <laughs> Bowie. Thank you. Thank you for announcing the end of the story. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's true because as I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, he fucking did it. And then I was like, oh no, but yeah. Oh no, he fucking yeah, but did no, it. But yeah, oh, but yeah, but yeah, but no. And then I thought, great. Like, what if he is a murderer? And, and now I'm and he lives in um and um 
I, that's the last I heard. That's the last I heard. And it could be, I don't Oh, no. Um, no, I'm wrong. I'll tell you where. But I'm saying, he lives close. I don't want to piss him off. No, of course. He's like, if you're a killer, don't kill me. I'm just reading the articles, okay? Um, that's an, but it is fascinating. It is fascinating. But yet, in his case, gets used all the time for, like, um, yeah, for like, like people who try and stuff. And yeah, like, people who try to get off on the sleepwalking defense. Wow. Uh-huh. That's, in, that's really interesting. Actually, that's a really good segue into my story about people who have murdered and then disappear and then get <gasps> dug up again. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. No, I don't. They're they don't get dug oh. up, but them their past past gets dug up. Excellent. Yeah. Autobots transform and roll out. No, we're in the Podsnace. Podsnace, the six hundred and something Transformer Podsnace room. Okay. I feel like they're watching me. Okay, tell me so murders. They're our audience. Hi, this is our live show for oh, the Transformers. Are you here the whole time? <laughs> Can you put the lights on? House lights on? House oh. lights. So There's who, people up there. Yeah, look at them up there. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Who's got a hometown for us? Who's got a home? Bumblebee? Bumblebee? Soundwave? Oh, you look tell it. You got let's, Bowie all let's excited. Let's talk about sex, baby. <clears throat> let's, let's talk, talk about, about you and me. Let's talk about mm-hmm. all the good things and the bad things that maybe. Well, I'm going to talk Kay. to you about the Parker Hume murder case. Parker? Mm-hmm. Kenneth Parks? Mm-hmm. I know Is there's this a little theme that we're doing. Maybe. Okay. I don't know yet. So Pauline Parker, who's sort of the let's call her the main character in this story. Main character, Pauline. Mm-hmm. Born it. May twenty May twenty sixth, nineteen thirty eight, to Herbert Reaper and Honora Parker. Just some middle class folks, nothing special about them. But it was later found out that Honora and Herbert Herb or Herb, I forget, whatever, uh, were just acting like a married couple, common law. Honora, wow, back in the day. Back That's in the intense. day. I know. Um, and I love that name, Honora. I, I, Honora, I know. Honora. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bermuda, <I> Jamaica. <laughs> Sounds like a really beautiful island that you know I'd what? like to I would go. go. I would go to Honora. Yeah, I would too. Uh, so Pauline had lived in uh, Christ. It's okay. Bowie, Keep that in. Lay down. Bowie's Bowie just down. excited. Down. Why are you being so? Why are you so nice during Julie's story and not mine? Down. Yeah. There you go. Good boy. Okay. Pauline had lived in Christchurch, New Zealand, her entire life. This is kind of where our story takes place. But she suffered from osteomyelitis. Myelitis. That's exactly how you say it. Thank you. It's basically a painful bone marrow infection. Oh no. Yes, and it and it can be very debilitating. But is it deadly? No, she lived a fairly normal life um, and was okay otherwise. She loved art, writing, and had a particular talent for sculptural work, which I thought was really interesting. That has nothing to do really with this story. I just thought, hey, I'll add in that she's a creative type. Now it's it's art murder. Uh, There was nothing overly concerning about Pauline's upbringing. She was really fairly normal and was a very pleasant and well-mannered child. Her best friend, Juliette Hume. Uh, Juliette. Juliette was born October 28th, 1938 in Black Health, London. She was the daughter of physicist Dr. Henry Rainford Hume. So this guy was pretty famous. Right. Uh, of course. Yeah. I, got, I have his uh, card. Bo- card his and card. book. Yeah. His book. Yeah. He was one of the founding creators of Britain's H-bomb. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I'd like to take that back. <laughs> I mean, as a scientist, I think it's fat. Like, someone who I like science, I think it's a fascinating thing to read about, you yes. know, the atomic bomb and everything and how it was created. But 
it's a deadly weapon that should never ever fucking have been used at all amen anyways uh but they moved oh did you here's a fun side note okay she actually uh lived in toronto for a, t- a short what? little tiny bit like New just Zealand? a wee wee bit yeah pauline pa- uh Ju- Juliet. just oh. a itty bitty bit mm-hmm. i thought that was interesting wow back in the day uh-huh this was during the, the 19... ma- massies yes <gasps> well it would have no. been what, no, 1915 no, that was oh, 1915 yeah, and this is later yeah i mean probably massey's worst the, the massey oh, family <laughs> did you get shot in the face i did i did hume had um tuberculosis she was sent to the bahamas in south africa by her parents because they were very wealthy so they were a very wealthy family they got to move i know they the thought bahamas that yes. in south africa yeah because they thought the isn't the bahamas in the caribbean yeah they she went to both places oh oh yeah. and, and and okay sorry, sorry. Did, no. I, did it sound like i said bahamas south africa um i have Yes, it did, but that's to me. So you probably said it right, and I just heard oh, it. Oh, it's okay. That's I, I'm like, um, hang on. I mean, I'm not super smart town with geography, but I'm pretty sure those are like two different continents. Mm-hmm. Like, like they're they're like across a whole fuck load of ocean. Lots of ocean. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> but they had thought that the heat would help her tuberculosis out, and now tuberculosis is an infection of the lung. Um, it cause you know you often see it in the old movies like Moulin Rouge where. Um, the main character, when she coughed, she was coughing up blood. That's usually the first sign of it. What they call it again? Consumption. Consumption. That's you, yeah. you taught me that. Yeah, for my Edgar Allan Poe story. Yes. Because his wife had consumption. consumption. Um, he received a position as rector. That's the weirdest. I don't know why. <laughs> okay, rector. Yeah. Come on. Uh, of Canterbury University College in Churchill, uh, Church, uh, sorry, Christ Church, New Zealand. And sorry, who was this? The, this was uh, Juliet's dad. Okay, sorry. So this doctor, the scientist dude. Oh, yes, right. In 1948, he was given the position of rector, which is higher up in the education sector of New Zealand. It was, it's, it's better than D-rector. Yeah. It's just rector. Like, you're so famous, you don't you just drop the D. <laughs> Sometimes you just don't want the D. No, you don't want the D. Just drop the you D. I mean, I'm rec. always for the D. Yeah, I know. But in this case, he no didn't D. want no D. He didn't want no just D. Just wanted the rector. <laughs> <laughs> just want to float around with a rector. What a terrible name to call someone. Like, I'm the rector of. It's really that's weird. The rimming of the <laughs> of the school, if you will. It's a mouthful. It is. It's like it actually makes me hungry for some tossed salad right now. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> and okay. okay, it was here she attended Christchurch Girls High School and met. Pauline. So Juliet and Pauline became uh, really close. Because they're both sick. Exactly. That's 100%. Yeah. See, that's why we're really close. We're both sick, but we're in the head. In the head. Yeah. yeah. Um, art and murder. It's, uh, it, you know, brings people together. That's right. So because of this bond over their house struggles, uh, like Juliet started at, the, at seven years old and Pauline had it her whole life. They really found that they had this understanding of each other. They were usually like loners. They didn't have too many friends. And when when they both found out that they had these like ongoing illnesses, they become became immediately best friends. Immediately best friends. Well, that's I good. said that twice because it's so and that's important. just how important it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their creative nature led them to develop their own imaginary world called the fourth world. It was a parallel dimension they envisioned worshipping their own saints, following their own morals based on a religion that they made up. They Ooh, 
Yeah. They they hated they hated the idea of Christianity. It was so um, the way that she describes it somehow of like being repressive like, and and ho- like there's so many holes in the the religion that she couldn't follow it anymore because it didn't make sense to her. Yeah, good for them. I know. Like that's like they're 15 and 16 years old. Yeah, at this but that's time. like back in the day. You don't fucking question Catholicism. Yeah, not at all. You're gonna get your ass whipped, rector, rector whipped. <laughs> ripped. <laughs> You know some rector issues. Oh my god! Oh, the jokes. Painful. Um, and they would go out in their in. in I love it in Juliet's garden because she lived in this big giant house. It was basically like a a a plantation house. You know those like big colonial big uh, pillar houses. It was called like Ammon Iman House. Hyman. Hyman House. I I it's L L A M or I don't know whatever. Because of how obsessive they were with each other and how inseparable they are, the parents were both sets of parents were like, mm, "This is this isn't healthy for girls to be this close with each other." Because oh. you kind of see, they, like, their thought pattern for their relationship kind of came to what later on during a trial, the prosecution assumed they had lesbianism. Were they? No, oh. no. As far as far as I read and the research, which I found on Wikipedia, uh, m- most of it w- all came from Wikipedia. <clears throat> um, there was a transcript of the jury, the the trial that I read, and some diary entries. I can't remember the website that I I got m- my information from. There, I apologize. Um, but because their relationship, sh- but their relationship became more intense as Paul, Paula would Pauline would stay over at Juliet's lavish house. She loved that lifestyle and really tried oh, to yeah. embrace it. Of course, like she's just from a working class family. Her dad owned a fish shop. Woohoo! And she Did got she- to embrace this like really expensive um, house and tastes of foods and different things and just really embraced it. Yeah, she was living vicariously through Juliet. In the, in the middle of 1953, Juliet's family had planned a trip back to England, and it was arranged that Juliet would permanently stay there because of her illness. So she was going to go back home to try to work out more of her medical health issues, and, like, Pauline was not having any of it. She was so distraught about it, she went to her mother and said, can I go with her? I, I need to be with my best friend. Yeah. They were almost like sisters. They felt this energy between yeah. the two of them, like they were two kindred spirits. So what had happened just just before they were, were set to move, Juliet went to uh, this Christchurch uh, sanit- uh, sanitarium because the her parents had moved back to London for a short period just to get themselves set up and they were coming back to grab Juliet and then go home. And Pauline visited her so often that when Juliet was released from the sanitarium, Pauline basically moved in the fam- in with Juliet's family while and then attended uh, commercial or yeah, just commercial college, like a regular, you know, it's like community college. Yeah, in community a sense. Co- yeah, yeah. Where to be, um, be Jenna? <laughs> I like it. So Pauline is going to college during this time. She's staying with Juliet's family to help take care of Juliet, who had just re- recently got out of the sanitarium. Um, her parents, her parents come back, and then they start the moving process. Uh, and Juliet then had to drop out of school because her illness also got worse. So there's a lot of stuff going and on quick, in this. Sanitarium. Is that another word for like hospital? Yeah, it's like an institution for okay. I think mental, like a certain um, illness, a certain level of illness that you have like your health your health situation whether it's mental or physical okay Mm. sure really that's 
That was, I mean, I know exactly what a sanitarium is. This is for our listeners. <laughs> exactly. So, um, <clears throat> I wonder who the rector is there. So, like I said, Pauline had insisted on going with Juliet. And the girls were both determined. They mm-hmm. kind of both were like, no, yeah, you have to come with me if yeah. I leave. But Pauline's mother said no. And Pauline started writing in her diary that I can't live without her i need to be with her so how do i do how do i do this how do i start planning do i escape do i do this and came to the conclusion oh that this anger started building inside of her she started writing about killing mommy dead and dearest maybe (laughs) so wow it started february 1954 and continued to june where the girls were planning and writing in their diaries about this idea of of killing uh someone to take care of this problem that they were having a certain person was keeping them separate was juliet already in england at this point no she was still still there okay in christchurch oh june 22nd 1954 started off like any other day with the exception of our dear pauline being overly pleasant to her mother and offering to do household chores, which was not common. Like, Pauline was just like, I'm going to go to Juliet. I'm just going to leave you. And today, she was like, no, I want to spend time with you. Let's do this. Make and a she, prune pie. Yeah. Actually, she said, can we please go for tea and let's go for a walk in the park? And Honora was like, yeah, let's do some mother-daughter bonding. You know there's a Honora Bay where I'm from? No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I like that name. It's funny because when you're like, it's like a place I was going to say it, then you just keep saying it. And when you're talking about going for a walk, I'm like, oh, Honora Bay. Um, Anyway. So. So she's being sweet. Yeah. She's being really sweet. Pauline lures her mother down into the secluded area and waiting sort of off the sideline is Juliet. And the unsuspected mother was bludgeoned to death (gasps) with a half a brick, like a a brick, Mm -hmm. Um, in a stocking. So they put the. Yep. It, they put this this Fuck. brick in a stocking. That means business. Business. Like, it, you, there's diary entries that you can read that I had and I didn't write them out. But it clearly says, like, mother, mother will give me relief in my head and I'll be able to finally be with Juliet. So... So Juliet, who then oh came over, she also started partaking and bludgeoning the mom. And brutal. she was dead. They were covered in blood. They ran to the tea shop that Pauline and her mom had just been at having tea. And this cute little couple, Agnes and Kenneth Ritchie, were the ones greeted by these girls. So they owned the tea shop. The girls came by. They said that Pauline's mother had fallen down a set of stairs. However, I know, their story quickly became you know, came unraveled because... She was on the side of the road. She was in, she was in the middle of a, a park. Oh, like, a park. Oh. So there's no stairs anywhere. Oh. How the... F- Girls, exactly. you've been writing about this? This, uh-huh. is, this is pitiful. And they created their own imaginary world and wrote about it and had these characters and, and role-played this medieval fantasy, uh, for the fourth world parallel universe that they had created. You could have been a little bit a little more bit. creative. Aren't they full of blood? They're covered in it. So it was put pretty clear from the start... Uh, but it came out after two months that the girls had planned what they called a moider. So it's M-O-I-D-E-R. They named it. They, like, dubbed it some sort of, like, moider. moider. Yep. <gasps> they had Art a little... Moida. Art moida. Oh, I like that. <laughs> so they were arrested quickly. I mean, I don't like them killing people, but, no, you know. No, but it's a funny... It's a funny word. It's their secret word. Moider. For it. <laughs> The trial began August 23rd, 1954. The defense tried to focus on their diary entries. Just to let you know, my mom was born August 21st, 1954. Really? 
Your mom's a, a Leo. That, a Leo. Oh, yeah. a Leo. She just has, hits the cusp. Yeah. I'm not a fan of Virgos, unfortunately. What's before that? Oh, you mean after? Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Got it. Um, the defense tried to, uh, the, uh, they tried to focus on the girls as being insane. However, the Crown pushed back, stating it wasn't insanity. It was malicious, thought out, and meticulously yes. planned by two highly inte- intelligent and dirty-minded girls. Whoa. That's what they said. Yeah. You didn't have to add in the dirty-minded. I Well, it's back in the 1950s. Oh, yeah. 50s, I guess so. it's not. It's like dirty as in like, you know. Like it's not killing. sexual. It's not killing. Sexual. Yeah. Pauline wrote in her diary, we discussed our plans before. Uh, sorry. We discussed our plans for mortaring mother and made them a little clearer. <laughs> Particularly enough, I have no qualms for conscious, uh, for the consequence. Or is it peculiar? Peculiar. We are so mad. Uh, and the night before June 22nd, she wrote again in her diary, Deborah, which is her nickname for Juliet, rang and we decided to use a brick in a stocking rather than a sandbag. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We discussed the moiter fully. I feel very keyed up as if I was planning a surprise party. So the next time I write in the diary, mother will be dead. How odd, yet how pleasing. After only five days and two hours and 15 minutes of deliberating de- deliberation by the jury, they came back with a guilty verdict. I can't believe it took five days. I know. Well, it, it, think about it. They did it in June. June 22nd was when they killed uh, Honora. And then August was when the trial happened. So it was a very quick, pers- like, proceeding it was international news this was huge they could not believe that a 15 and 16 year old girl would be calculated yep exactly um and what happened to the dad though nothing i don't i'm not 100 percent sure yeah because i was saying they didn't i guess maybe he didn't care he's like you can go to england or whatever okay i don't know yeah i guess being the mom mother of a household you have to be um yeah i see um the girl's would be forever separated and never see each other again ah. and spent the next five years at Mount Eden Prison. They were, the j- judge wanted to have them hung, but they were so young that they, it was uncouth to do that. So they spent only five years in prison and were out. No, in I was going to say, what happened after the five years? Mm-hmm. And you see me looking at you? I was just looking yep. at Jenna side-eyed because I'm like, <laughs> why are you saying five years? Okay. So let me see if I can. No. Let's let's no. bring this all in. No. Because this is the part no. that fucking blew my mind. Okay. So 1960, both girls are out. They change their name. They go into hiding. You don't hear from them. 1994. Whoa. 1994. Peter Jackson, who is one of my favorite directors. He directed Lord of the Rings, one of my favorite movies. Him and his wife, Fran Walsh, who was an amazing writer, they wrote a, an, an adapted a screenplay based on the book, So Brilliantly Clever. It was called Heavenly Creatures, nominated for an Oscar. It didn't win, unfortunately. But that movie sparked this finding of Juliet and Pauline. And is it about their story? It's about their story. And in 1994, a journalist had found Juliet her name was Anne Perry. She was a true crime and uh, a criminal, uh, uh, fictional and non-fictional writer, just hiding in plain sight. She wrote a shit ton of books. 
Um, one in particular, her first one was called uh, The Catter Street Hangman. And she wrote about, she had this reoccurring character, almost like she was a um, Agatha Christie in a sense. And Pauline was found, I believe, in Scotland or, I- or Ireland, hidden away. She had her own farm and was kept quiet. Both of them, uh, Anne Perry became a Mormon and... Um, Pauline uh, also found religion again as well. Just hiding in plain sight. But they weren't together. They weren't together. They had. They have not talked or seen each other since, as far as I'm aware. The but the fact the that you committed a murder and then, like, and how old they? they were like 15, 16? 15 and sixteen. I'm sorry, that is not young enough. <laughs> like, as in, as in, like these people who don't, you know, you give them the. Um, they don't get tried in adult court yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you. It's when I was eight, I knew that killing was wrong. Yeah. You you don't kill, it's wrong. It's bad. It's you fucking know. Yeah. When you're a fucking teenager, yes, I understand you got fucking hormones raging and whatever, but you don't kill. They needed to be together. They Holy had fuck. to be together. Yeah, but the, the thing is, like, okay, I even get your psychosis and that needing to be together, but you kill somebody and then the fucking government says, okay, five years. Yeah, it's because they couldn't get hung. You know what? I think my fucking I don't think high school given five was years. worse than five years in that prison. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll agree to that. I understand that. Um, no. But I don't. Maybe it was just that they had they got out five after five years because of good behavior or something. But both of them did get out in 1960. Oh, by the way, good behavior is still a thing in Canada too. Remember, I said I don't oh. know. Is that even still a thing? We're talking about it. Yeah, it is. But Canada, Shit. you can fucking do anything and get out and fucking Whoops. five years or ten years let's just keep yeah you've been mic. you've been telling me that lately and i've been wanting to read more about canada's <sighs> judicial system anyway so that's the story that's of parker up. of of pauline parker and so 34 so Juliet hume they could still be alive they probably i i i don't know i didn't even unfortunately just finished this story as you walked in the door that's like true. i do all the time that's okay but it's good I, the the end part about Anne, Anne Perry being Juliet Hume just fucking blew my mind. So now I want to watch Heavenly Creatures and maybe report back on it. All right. And yeah. That was awesome. This was a good one. It was These good. Are two good stories. I really enjoyed it. And you've got to go to work now. I do. So we so can't have a, you know, any funny goodbye. But no. we, all we can do is tell you this. Ambient, Ambient toast. toast. Oh, yeah, wait. What? <laughs> also, don't forget to rate, subscribe, follow us, all this jazz yeah. on Instagram and Instagram, Facebook. The Art of Murder. Email us, artofmurderpodcast at gmail.com. Website, theartofmurder.ca. And that's it. That's it. That's all she wrote. <laughs> all right. Let's go get you work. Stop and save! 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 Stop and